Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on September the 6th of 2018. I'm Nick with Chris. And Chris, it's, it's the start of Sadistic September. Yes, so... I'm, but I'm we're, saying, not, we're not ready for the actual oh. Sadistic September review yet. So. Oh. I thought we were just doing that kind of thing all month, so I'm seeing on a 12-inch spike dildo right now. I was going to say, we need to do something to mark the occasion so that okay. we get that prerequisite uh, amount of suffering in, in each episode. You're going to get that big old bombshell whenever we talk about uh, the, the featured series, but we need to, you know... I don't know. I, I broke. There's a crack in my phone screen now, uh, so I think that I've suffered enough today. Yeah, you, you've you've suffered enough. Um, I've, got, I've got one of those protective screens over it, so I can't tell if that's the only thing that's cracked or if it's holding the screen beneath it together. And I'm afraid to find out. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't explore it. I I've. I assume it's because I grew up super duper poor. I'm very protective of my stuff because when I was a kid, like I remember being at the beach and like an action figure, like I put an action figure in the sand and I was like, it's dirty. So I put it in the sand and then a wave came and took it away. And I remember being like my toy. And they're like, yeah, well don't fucking leave your toys out at the beach. <laughs> like it gets sucked up. And I think maybe from then on, I'm very protective about my stuff. So I've yet to have a screen break on my phone, but it has always been a worry of mine. I dropped it like four feet and it fell on its back, but the camera seems to be fine and the crack is only on the screen, which was on the opposite side that it fell on. Mm. And I can feel like the crack in the protective screen. So maybe if I peel it off, I don't know. Nick, this feels like a bad plan. I'm not going to do it during the show. You're like, oh, it burns. I shredded my finger. Oh, God, there were ants inside the screen. <laughs> Simulating a crack. And underneath that was a real crack. Damn it. This is the worst of both worlds. A fake crack and a real crack. If it helps, Nick. Uh, so I'm, I'm currently taking an anthropology class. I mm -hmm. It's a requirement. Uh, not specifically this, but one in that sociology-like spectrum. Sure. And uh, I was like, I tried psychology, didn't dig it. So, why well, I wanted to try this. You uh, you took a lot of anthropology, didn't you? you took a couple anthropology classes. was uh, anthropology is actually the uh, bachelor's degree that I currently have. Okay. So. so, tell me if this was your experience with anthropology. So we okay. skipped right over like the base of anthropology. This this course just covers cultural anthropology. Okay. Uh, and it started with our teacher telling us how she's on her third marriage and her sister is trying to steal her inheritance. And she works at a local amusement park as security. And it's fine. She loves her job. She had to arrest a woman who was using counterfeit $100 bills and then watch her kids as her mother got arrested. But she loves her job. Is that what your initial experience with anthropology was? My cultural anthropology professor, at least the first one that I took, was um, like in his early thirties or something like that. And it was an academic. So <laughs> he was paid well enough. They didn't need to have a job doing security. <laughs> where they had to watch someone's kids. If they're, they're arrested. <laughs> it's such an odd it is right now. It has been one of the most uncomfortable classes I've ever taken. Who tells their class that much about themselves. It was weird. Cause she tried to like wrap it all in with like, 
And that's why I love anthropology, because this is really what it's all about. I'm like, because I would just be normal in some cultures. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like she's like, and you know, some people are different, you know, it's just uh, and I'd rather be happy than have money like my sister who took all of our inheritance money. (laughs) Just like, wait, what's happening? And then we follow it up by being like, yeah, and there's a lot of things. There's different cultural stuff. So Colin Kaepernick, what does everyone think about him? And it was just me like, oh, God. Oh, God. Just bury myself in my hands. Like, I don't want this to be the class. Please let, don't let this be the class. I took it because I heard one of the finals was to make food. And it is. But before that. You have to like choose like uh, what like an ethnic dish to make or yeah, something you like to, that. Yeah, you have to make it's like a cultural food fest essentially within our class. Everyone makes something and then you write like a little small paper on it. I don't think that I can remember any professional athletes being brought up during many of my anthropology classes, so that might be a bad sign too. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to it because like she'll call and ask people too. She's like. What do you think about Colin Kaepernick not standing for the American anthem? And you have to understand, even though you might think like, well, millennials, college, maybe it's at least one. A bit. Like it's Pennsylvania, which is uh, commonly referred to as Pennsylvania by a large part. Right, right, right. So it's it's like a furious fight between both sides in every class. Right, so like right, you're right. People like argue. It's just like, I hate this. I want to die. Please kill me. I just want my credit. Please, please let me leave. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't afford to drop another class because the teacher's weird. One of the classes that I'm taking is it's there's like a couple of 25 year olds in the class, and then the rest are you know like 19 to 20 or something like that. And so I'm like, ah, I, I'd be the old man in the class if Mark Professor wasn't 70 years old. <laughs> So he keeps on talking about stuff. It's like, yo, your generation of like, no, not my generation. This is these kids over here. I think we're still in the same generation at this point. No. Well, uh, no, I guess they're technically Gen Yers if they're nine. No, if they're nineteen, they'd still Gen... be they'd be still uh, millennials. So, but still, it's like you know we're at opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So they're they're talking about stuff. And I'm like, you kids, God. <laughs> In my day, you get up your back suddenly quirks. You're like, oh, I'll just lean over where you do it. Oh, thank God I brought this walking stick in. Anyway, when I was your age. To, to give you a perfect representation uh, of the uh, difference there, we had to give presentations uh, earlier this week. And one of them made made references to Tide Pods. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And did like, they oh. bring enough for the class to enjoy? Uh, they did. He, he like brought one of those you know containers. This got you know like a gallon's worth of pods in it. It was like his uh, his the visual that he had brought to uh, represent part of his speech, and he he basically used the Tide Pod and the colors of the Tide Pod uh, in order to talk as like a symbol a metaphor for the stuff that he was talking about but he also of course just did it in order to get grab people's attention and make them laugh and like the entire class was like that was great i'm like oh my god <laughs> and the professor was like <laughs> the professor's just there he's just it's just clint eastwood from grand torino it's just like damn Pollocks in the classroom Boof. c minus <laughs> I don't know what grade he actually gave him. Anyway, um, we do have, speaking of classes, <laughs> I think we might as well just dive right into My Hero Academia from there. 
Uh, we're going to talk about our manga this week and or give me, us uh, more time to talk to read Flame of Record and prepare for that. So let's do it, Chris. Let's uh, do the recap portion of the weekly manga recap and jump into My Hero Academia, a.k.a. Shinzo's Hero Academia. Who is Deku? He doesn't show up in this chapter at all. <laughs> Fuck him. Don't need him. Um, actually, that's... Yeah, it's, again, one of those uh, little Shonen Jump things. The uh, Shonen Jump breeder lists uh, Midoriya and All Might as the main characters, and um, I don't think that either of them makes an appearance in this chapter. Oh, well. So, uh, last time we got to see uh, Shinzo's powers in action because he's using uh, this special mask that has, what is it called, uh, vocal cords, something cords, whatever. Basically, it allows him to imitate other people so that he can speak in other people's voices and it makes it easier for someone to reply to him and thus fall prey to his brainwashing. And we get an explanation at the start of this chapter via flashback where he was explaining it to uh, his cl- as his teammates in, uh, from Class 1A. And it's actually a very interesting uh, explanation where he basically just lays out all the limitations uh, of how his quirk works. And from the sound of what he uh, describes it, it doesn't sound like brainwashing or mind control at all. It's Purple it just, Man. Yeah, it's you have to obey what he says. He can't make you think uh, in any way. And it's actually more limited than uh, the Purple Man's powers because he can't make you uh, speak. So the... For, he even lays out a very perfect example because he's, you know, explaining it mostly to sue you. He says, I could tell them, you know, if I hold up a sign that has, you know, sue you actually written on it, I could say, here, write this down. And they would write it down. But if I say, like, you know, oh, uh, what's what's her name? Write it down for me so I know it. I can't do that. So he can't use it to interrogate people, for example, uh, or get anything out of them. He can only specifically control their body actions. Uh, so interesting set of limitations for that. Uh, and I think for something that has such a a wide range as brainwashing and mind control, that's a very necessary thing when it comes to My Hero Academia, which is normally very particular about how everything works. Mm. So he's just used it uh, on the giant hulking beast guy from class 1b shishida uh and he moves in to use the capture scarf that aizawa uses uh but the uh was it subura suburaba uh who can make solid air with his abilities just immediately surrounds him in a box he's like nope and then he just slaps shishida wake up and, and that's it like, oh shinso's grand debut was pretty great and then oh well, that oh that that ended very quickly. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do? Can't win them all. Yeah. Uh, because he can only use his power on one person at a time. Apparently. Oh no, I don't think he can. No, he was using it on his entire uh, convoy team horses. So I think that he has to like individually target all of them, maybe. Well, he mentions later that it's too difficult to use it on multiple people at once. Mm, okay. That he could theoretically do it, but it's too demanding because he has to think about each and every one of them and what they can do. Okay. Shishida moves in to uh, 
crush the hell out of uh, Shinso, but Kaminari gets in the way and uses his Thunderbolt quirk so that it'll paralyze him when he touches him. Uh, he knocks him into some debris, uh, and that stuns Shishida, and Suyu grabs Subu, air cannon dude off of his off of his shoulders, and they're like, all right, now, now go and throw him in the prison, and Shishida is immediately moving after them. And I love Kaminari, just like, but I shocked him! <laughs> That's not fair! Cheater! Uh, Koda and Kirishima try to intercept him. Uh, they both get their quirks ready to hulk themselves up, essentially. Koda specifically says, like, to I think a bunch of ants or something like that to lend him strength. Which we don't really get an explanation on because basically... Shishida immediately takes them off guard because he shrinks back down into his default form and then goes back into beast mode and after, while they're uh, surprised by it and he just grabs Koda and throws Kirishima into the fucking sky. It's a very good throw. And uh, Kirishima ends up landing basically where Shiozaki is and she ties him up almost immediately. Uh... And then he just takes Coda and runs the hell away when Suyu tries to go after him. So this means that Class 1B has captured Coda and Kirishima. Suyu did manage to put Subaraba in uh, their jail cell. So each of them has three members left. And Class 1B only needs to capture two of the remaining Class 1A members in order to win. Uh, we get a little bit where Subaraba is like, damn it, she captured me. I was surrounded by her tongue. Why are so many people at this school such massive perverts? <laughs> That's in general. It's a very strange thing to have, too. Like, you're like, it was like an indirect kiss. I'm like, I mean, I guess technically <laughs> doesn't feel like it would be, but I don't know. I guess that I, I really shouldn't be so surprised. I mean, like, Suyu is one of the most popular characters in My Hero Academia. I'm sure that there are plenty of people go, who are just like, yeah, he's right. Lucky bastard. Um, so everyone in Class 1A basically gets a breather because the two teams have separated after that skirmish. Uh, and everyone in class, one, class A is like, well, they've sure gotten a lot stronger since the last time we had to tussle with any of them. It's a weird little joke because apparently Vlad King is doing commentary for the match. I guess. To, I guess everyone else, like the yeah. other people watching. He's got a microphone and the PA system is loud enough that everyone in the arena can hear him. But it's like all the classes are right there. <laughs> it's not like there's an audience for this. And Class A is very upset because he's giving very biased commentary. And they've somehow made up picket signs. Very crafty people. Yeah, you're Rosu, dude. Oh, yeah. I guess so. It would be a pretty easy thing to make, I guess. Just, like, cardboard that has writing on it. Sure. Uh, so, we do get a little bit... Oh, there is Deku in this chapter. There he there is. There you go, Nick. It all makes hey, sense. He's in the panel. <laughs> um... Deku observes, and everyone you know, kind of takes a moment to uh, analyze the skirmish that happened previously. Uh, and Deku's like, well, Shinso doesn't really have very good reaction speed yet. Uh, so, I mean, 
and he thinks to himself, you know, that, that they're going to need to do some stuff in order to actually take advantage of his abilities. Um, Kaminari is kind of panicking a little bit uh, at this point, and Shinso is apologetic because he feels like he let them down because he wasn't quick enough with his capture scar. Uh, and so he's like, no, no, it's all right. I, I put you on the front lines, and that was poor strategy on my part. And Kaminari says, like, Hey, you know, you 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 helped you actually helped me out. You know, you saved me in that instance. And you know, you said you're not here to make friends, but yeah, you're 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 good. I I feel like I could be a fan of yours. And Jinju's just like, whatever. I've got to be the cool, detached one. It can't be Todoroki. <laughs> He's too busy slurping soba over the there. Great if he had like a giant ball. And he's just like. We're getting our shit busted. <laughs> wow, they're getting our ass scared. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> he goes out to fight in the lead arena battle. He's like, what's this? A long strand of soba. Ooh. <laughs> just leads him right into <laughs> the cell. They're like, <laughs> they, high they, five, they, soba dude. They've got, a, they've got a cardboard box propped up on a stick. We got him. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let me out. Oh, well. He's <laughs> like, I can finish the sober, right? Uh, class B, uh, of course, that's is, you know, talking about the, their strategy, too. Um, and uh, Suyu, at this point, has basically come up with an idea. We see her kind of like molting this weird slime off of herself. Uh, as she talks that she tells Kaminari to locate his target. And the explanation that we get, because Kaminari was like, oh, yeah, I forgot how that worked. He launched one of his uh, electricity uh, sniping targets, and it attached uh, at some point to Shishida's uh, pant leg. And he remembers that Hatsume had told him that the targets, you know, oh, yeah, they stick to whatever shoot, surface you shoot at. And the display in your glasses will always show you their position. So they can use this specifically to know exactly where Shishida is. Meanwhile, Suyu is sending out two shadow clones of herself, essentially. Uh, I didn't know that frogs could do this. <laughs> but we see the real Suyu and then these two slimy clone looking things uh, setting off. And uh, it looks like Shiozaki is moving to intercept them. I will say, I do like how they've actually added a good bit of personality to this cast like uh i like how beast dude is just this overblown like super excited guy but even when he switches back he's like human mode as he like does it like <laughs> mid-spin but the one that i absolutely love is freaking uh uh the vine girl i don't remember her ever having anything to Shiozaki. say during that actual fight with hatsume but in this one, they've, uh, like, given her, like, this deeply, like, almost, like, religious cult leader personality where she's just like, I shall teach them what it means to sin. Their brambles shall grab them from the heavens. Like, she just needs a giant beard and she could be Bray Wyatt. And I'm all about Bray Wyatt in this. It's an appropriate thing because, you know, she's got divine hair, so it's like a, a crown of thorns sort of thing. Uh, and, yeah, from what I remember, she was just this very earnest easy to offend girl because like during the uh the, the school festival arc uh she had the fight and president mike announced her as like the silent assassin of class 1b or something like that and she's like excuse me i don't 
Why are you calling me an assassin? That's not very heroic. I just want to be a good person and help people. <laughs> now she comes in and she's like, My brothers, you have all wandered in my fireflies. Wander into the fold. Always good when whenever we uh, figure out what voice to give someone. (laughs) (laughs) They shall pay for their transgressions. And then I lose the match. (laughs) (laughs) You know I was WWE champion, babe? (laughs) It was a solid month long reign. At least I was at least I wasn't Jinder Mahal or nothing. I wish every one of his quotes ended with like, and you shall be brought to the bowels of hell, and then I shall lose the match. (laughs) (laughs) And you shall be punished and feel great suffering, and then you'll pin me, but you shall (laughs) suffer before that. (laughs) John Cena, I will bring you to the core of your character, and as you are about to turn, you will then overcome me and defeat me one, two, three in the middle of the ring. We will have a rubber match. By the Undertaker. (laughs) We will have a rubber match. And you shall win. (laughs) But then I will crush Jabba Talons until I have enough of a threat to challenge for that championship once again, which I will lose. (laughs) It's weird to me. If you think, like, over his entire career, like... Because he's been... He's been around for, like, four WrestleManias, I think, by this point. Has he ever won? No, the most success that he had was uh, interfering in the Andre that Matt Hardy won. So his great success was basically cheating so that someone else could win. Mm. Yay! Huzzah? What an intimidating figure. <laughs> he can't win so the big one say, ever. He, he lost to Undertaker. He lost to John Cena. He lost to Randy Orton. And there's probably another one in there I'm forgetting. No, I think that I think that that's been it. Because then the yeah, the most recent one he lost he helped Matt Hardy win. So anyway, enough about enough about that. People are like, who's Bray Wyatt? <laughs> like, oh, guys, it doesn't matter, man. Now we got a new character to talk about. <laughs> it's all mine, my children. <laughs> Just watch a wrestling compilation video and And I shall turn you, Danny Bryan, to my side, and I shall actually defeat you. And then you'll win the world championship while I lose to someone else. <laughs> and I'm sure down the line, you got your victory back. I don't know if you ever did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, let's let's move on to, to some more you know, slightly less ridiculous combat-related series. Food Wars! Jokiaki no Soma. It's chapter 277. The second year's first semester finals. That's an odd title, but oh well. So, well, Nick, how uh, am as, I going to know what this ser- how am I going to know what this chapter is about? Is there something in an early page that could really give me a big clue what this series is about? Well, if you look on the first page, okay. If you look at the the, the single largest panel on the page, okay. the last one, Clubhouse. Yep. Uh, okay. The, the 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 bottom left corner of the page. Okay. Uh, you see, there's that's uh, where the one named character on that page makes an appearance. Yes. Uh, where we what see am I looking Ameri- at? What am I looking at there, Nick? Well, we're of course have I've to never. I'm an alien. Realize. I've never. I've never seen human culture before. We have to realize now from this that uh, something is amiss because American flag bikini girl is not wearing an American flag bikini. Something's wrong here. It's not even camouflage. Sometimes she'll do oh. camouflage, and I'm like, camouflage yeah, is pretty like, American. It's like tie dye. 
I think it's supposed to be like a zebra pattern kind of thing, like a dark watermelon. zebra pattern. Maybe like watermelon. Maybe very watermelony. Yeah. Those those are some pretty nice melons there, Nick. Eh? <laughs> I wonder what kind of dish they're preparing with them. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Last, I don't even remember if there are watermelons in this. The, la- the last challenge of Totsuki Institute. You must serve one of your classmates to us in the most forbidden dish. Yeah, let's not go. Let's not go there. <laughs> the leads de- in that direction lies weird fan art. So <laughs> the kids are on a beach, and the first thing that we see is uh, Ikumi in a bikini. Uh, serving empty mugs. Or I think that she was bussing the table and getting... Yeah, yeah I think she was getting bussing tables, I think. Yeah. Uh, they're running a stand, obviously. And uh, we get an explanation that several hours earlier, everyone was at the beach, and everyone's like, Yeah! Uh, and then everyone was like, Alright, stop that. You have to be tested. <laughs> um... Essentially, everyone is being tasked uh, in the second year is being tasked with uh, running this stand. And she says that, uh, you know, you have a quota to meet because, you know, you're being given all this stuff. And, uh, you know, we've been allowed to rent these establishments. uh, So we can't report poor sales. You must have a good showing for yourselves, earning enough so as not to embarrass the Totsuki name. Accordingly, the baseline quota for passing this exam is one million yen in sales per day. Which is ten thousand dollars a day. Yeah, that's pretty sizable. You have to be at least mm, popular, basically. <laughs> like if you say, maybe it's I, she doesn't say profit; she just says sales. So at least you have to consider cost going into it. Well, I don't know though. Like if you order more food, does it have to be? It would have to just be sales. I'd assume it would be sales. Like, that's the profits you guys need to... That's what you need to pull in today. If we're going to let these restaurants essentially shut themselves down to be run by students, to be run by, you know, teenagers instead. Can you imagine if they were if they were just, like, uh, they just have this thing where it's, like, it's actually a really good price, but you can see they can sell a whole ton of it, and they're like, yeah, the profit margin on this stuff is negative, but you just said I had to have, you know, a million yen in sales. You didn't say I had to actually turn a profit. <laughs> so, um, Aaron doesn't have to take this test, and uh, some random guy in a suit shows up and says, well, she's the dean of the institute. She has other duties to fulfill. My name's Frank! <laughs> Why don't you remember me? <laughs> I'm always around in the background wearing sunglasses. I'm very important. I have I have dreams too. And he does say that Cesarina is technically a student, I guess. Uh, she did have to undergo a trial, but it was a different trial. The rite of the great boiling cauldron of death! Which, uh... Ibusaki and Marui, I think that's his name, uh, imagine as basically that one fight that Yuda in Toriko did where, you know, he plunged that dude into acid. Uh, he survived, though. He survived, yes. <laughs> Apparently. 
because the guy doesn't actually explain what it is. He just says that it's really hard. And so they imagine she's like cooking four different skillets full on like a balance beam above a boiling pot. Uh, I, I, I guess we're just never going to find out what she actually had to do. Well, did they say that she actually already did it? She already did it. Yes. Uh, oh, no, wait. Hang on. So that, I that, 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 think she did. I think they say that she's just going to have to do. They decided. Well, Mar- Marui says what a marvelous job of conveying how grand and heroic it must have been. Yeah, maybe, I guess. I don't know. So maybe she has, maybe she has. I don't know. It's not I guess entirely. Who, I guess who gives a fuck, too? It, does, it doesn't matter. Let's go look at the girls in bikinis and the guys in trunks showing off that they have no nipples. Hey, one of them's in a Speedo. That's true. Kurokiba has no fear. Yeah. He also, from what it looks like here, does not have a penis. No, he does not seem to have one. (laughs) He has tucked that one right up inside of himself. (laughs) He's just like, just like sucks it in. Like, I don't think that's how this should work. (laughs) This is actually what happens whenever he goes into battle mode. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to kick your ass! <laughs> Let's do it! Uh, so, Soma isn't really concerned. Uh, all of, of course the he mem- isn't. <laughs> I love Soma. And oh. he and... Go ahead. I was going to say, like, everyone else is just like, that's a lot of money there. And he's just like, money? What are you talking about? I'm just going to make food. They're like, god damn it. You don't... <laughs> you don't give a fuck about anything. Uh, the, the second years who are on the council are ha- hang out together, and they seem like everything's going to be cool. Uh, it was like, all yeah, right, yeah, we'll make our quota, and then you know we can hang out on the beach. It'll be fine. Um, and like Alice is already even preparing for them to hang out. She's got all these inflatables, um, and Hayama uh, uh, and uh, Kuroki were like, yeah, we'll just f- do this, and we'll be done. And Soma's planning on. Uh, finishing up so that he can uh, make a recipe so that it'll impress Aaron and then he can challenge Suzuki. Uh, and then he's like, actually, I just thought of a great idea. Hey, Takumi, do you have a notepad? <laughs> no. <laughs> so he takes out his stick and starts writing it down in the sand. <laughs> uh, so everyone's like, oh, the council, they're so good. They'll be fine. And uh, Aaron's like, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we know. So, uh, this is the beach house that you guys have to run. It's just this run-down fucking ramshackle place. <laughs> and so it says, it looks like an abandoned house. And Aaron just says, it is an abandoned house. <laughs> so it's not even a fucking kitchen either. It's just a house. <laughs> I do love that exchange. That looks like an abandoned house. It is an abandoned house. <laughs> and... Another guy in sunglasses. I'm Carl. <laughs> I hate Frank. <laughs> See, there's deep lore between us. You should care about us. Look, I can Sh- also rock a speedo. <laughs> Ship us. <laughs> uh, and he explains that yeah, since you guys are on the council, you've got to be given a harsher test than the than the usual student body. And every year, the council is passed with flying colors, and we get a. Very small little flash back, back bubble of all of the uh, second or well now third year council members, you know, rushing to get stuff done. Um, and so they're like, "All right, you guys have to go go start your freaking thing." And 
that everyone sets out with working and we cut around to a few different people uh hayami and uh and uh takumi and megumi kind of go over like blueprints and plans together and there's like we've got to just fix the place for the first two days and then we'll have to just make all three million yen on the last day and catch up that way uh and then we see kurakiba and Zoba trying to clear away junk and clutter and i was like Okay, guys, keep it up. I'll tame from over here. Let's go, team. Let's go, team. Drag that wood. Drag that wood. I am helping a lot. <laughs> it's just like, it feels like there's something at some, even if it's nothing physical at all, it feels like there's something you could be doing besides cheering us on. <laughs> like, could you at least be ordering equipment or something so when we need it, it's here or something? Can you imagine if, she, if she's like, all right, I'll be supervising you guys move it. Okay, good, good. Now that's a bad place for it. Move it back. <laughs> you know what? I changed my mind. Move it back. She's like, I was thinking we could do like a chic little sashima place. But then I decided what's better than pizza. So get all the stuff out. Move it out. We need to get back in there with some pizza. With some za. You know what? Now that we're changing our menu, I think we need to start from scratch. Guys, move the clutter back into the hut. <laughs> Make it, make it an abandoned house again. Let's start over. <laughs> uh, yeah. Suzuki randomly shows up in tourist wear, basically. Uh, and uh, he's just there to, to bother Soma, essentially. Uh, he, like, is like, I'll take one Ramoon, please. And Soma's like, we're not open. Don't be a buzzkill. Like, I don't have any food for you <laughs> but he says like oh i'm gonna pass this test and they'll get the curious say my food is good and they'll get a rematch and suzuki says oh are you sure you can take such a long view of things let me take off my sun hat so that i can be sinister for a moment <laughs> i can't look intimidating while i wear this ridiculous thing <laughs> and he just says Erina will be leaving very soon, and she's going far away to somewhere even you can't reach. In my mind, I keep hearing, like, uh, that line from the first season of Daredevil, and someone's like, Madame Guile's like, she's like, I'm leaving, like, where are you going, back to China? She's like, no, somewhere much farther away. And <laughs> wasn't it like she went to Singapore or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> you're just like wait what do you consider far away much farther away she's like somewhere much further France like I mean when you consider going just in the shortest available route it's much I'm quicker. referring to a mystical plane god <laughs> are we ever gonna have to are we ever gonna get to hear about this mystical plane oh you'll wish you hadn't <laughs> There will be bones there, and you'll hear about a dragon that some guy punched, and then you won't even see him punch the dragon. You'll hey, be like, what the fuck? Gotta save something for season two, the return of Davos. <sighs> That's coming out soon, too. Really? Yeah. I guess it would they, have to, because I've done season twos of all the other series they've now. Ar they've already uh, put out a trailer for it. Oh. I, think I haven't even watched season two of Jessica Jones. I've got so much of this stuff to watch. Have you and done I don't want to watch more Iron Fist. <laughs> Have you done Iron uh, uh, Luke Cage? I haven't done. I've, oh. I've, I've watched 
Daredevil season one and two. I've watched Jessica Jones season one. I've watched Luke Cage season one, and I've watched Iron Fist and Defenders. I have not seen Jessica Jones or Luke Fist season two. I would highly recommend Luke Cage season two. That is maybe. Oh, and I and, and I've watched The Punisher and Iron Fist. Jessica Jones season two, I think, was really good, but Luke Cage season two has been my favorite Netflix series. I think outside of the first season of Daredevil at this point, it was stupidly good. Oh wow, it actually comes out tomorrow. Well, there you go. Something to look forward to, Nick. No, so I'll get to it eventually. So, um, after Suzuki has that little sinister moment, which feels like kind of one of those things in like a Disney movie where like they're shitty just to be protagonists of the no one would believe how shitty they are. Like, no, seriously, he was talking about like kidnapping Arina. Oh, come on, Soma, you just hate Suzuki and are obsessed with him. He's not really gonna kidnap Arina. And meanwhile, Suzuki's like stuffing Arina into a duffel bag and throwing her <laughs> over his shoulder, <laughs> dumping into the ocean. He's like, "Now who will cook for you? The sea." And you're just like, "Why wow, does that really dark?" <laughs> so we're gonna save her. <laughs> and a uh, shadowy figure shows up and taps Arina on the shoulder, and she recognizes him. And- or, or her, I guess it could be, and that's the end of the chapter. Um, probably not actually going to be as sinister a thing as Suzuki is making it out as. I mean, it probably. feels like at this point when he says, I'm taking her away, the only thing he's seen. No, to no, no. He doesn't say, I'm taking her away. He says, Arina will be leaving very soon. Which could very well just mean that she's been called back to the Institute and has shit to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it very well could. They did mention, though, that the Dean was supposed to oversee this specific yes. challenge, so. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, in my mind, like, there's nothing really insidious to Suzuki yet beyond, like, I want to marry Arina. It's just like, cool. I mean, I guess she hasn't explicitly been like get away from me yet she seems like she's kind of into it in a certain extent in some situation i don't know it's weird but it's weird to like go from like a zombie who would like sneak into your room while you're sleeping and just be like i'm gonna kill all your friends and send them away from the school and by kill them i mean their careers <laughs> and then he'd, he'd slink back out sort of thing it's weird to just have a guy who's just like i'm the same thing but Clearly a noble prince figure and like theme, so I don't know. Yeah. It's a bit interesting, I guess. Well, let's move on to Eden Zero, Chris. Sure, why not? So, Eden Zero, chapter ten. Do you want a reason why not? (laughs) We're friends, aren't we? So, last time. Shiki. Just because we're friends doesn't mean I want to cover every manga with you guys. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, friends is such a strong word, too. Uh, Shiki encountered Sabir. They were having a fight. Shiki just crushed him. Just like Sabir was like, here comes my super awesome fist. And Shiki was like, fuck you. And just bam, just knocked him down. Uh, so this chapter starts back up with Sabir trying again. And he could actually, like, his arm is like a rocket jetpack. So he could actually fly with it. And Sabir notes, he's like, huh, that's that's the gauntlet I made. And Sabir tries to punch him again, but, well, actually, he does. And Shiki he just does successfully punch him. Shiki doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, whatever. You know what? Machines are living things, too. They have hearts! And then he throws a giant concentrated ball of gravity at Sabir, sends him careening down into the, into the ground. Uh, that weird bird that I don't know if we ever got a name for... <laughs> It's evil. <laughs> and act- 
activates a button on the on the golem that grabs Shiki and tries to like crush him. And the bird even starts laughing maniacally, like chip, 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 chip. <laughs> Which is actually pretty great. <laughs> it is. And then Pino activates her her EMP dome and uh, shuts off the robot. Uh, I guess also defeats the bird <laughs> and knocks that out. And Sabir's like, how could you use scrap metal, little? And Pino's like, I am a living thing. I am not your toy. And Sabir, or not Sabir, Weiss holds a gun up to Sabir and says, you heard the droid. And he goes to fire the gun. But because of the MP blast, the gun's useless. So instead, he punches the robot army maid and completely destroys it. And uh, there's a little moment. Good craftsmanship there, Weiss. <laughs> yeah, he's like, one punch to this area completely dismantles. It's called the the failure punch. And it's I set one up in all my machines to make sure. Uh, Happy turned off, so he wakes back up. And he's like, I stopped working again. Pina's like, yeah, sorry about that. And then she goes up and she apologized to Shiki because Shiki got hurt. And, you know, Shiki's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Hey, what about you? Are you Okay. He didn't hurt you, did he? And she's like, how can you worry about a machine more than yourself? He's like, it's not about being a machine or whatever. We're friends, aren't we? And uh, the the robot starts crying again. I forget if they explained how the robot cries, but starts crying. Oh, yeah, and with their with their tear ducts, Chris. They have robot tear working ducts. ocular muscles and uh, visual cortex. And it's, uh, like Everything attached to their eyes is organic. <laughs> oh, shit. They're cyborgs. Just an eye eye and brains floating inside (laughs) of a metal shell. This is hell. Uh, She just cries and says, yes, we are. Every time I blink, metal scrapes against my eyeballs. (laughs) It hurts so much. Why did they program me with this? Uh, We cut away. And Rebecca's explaining, apparently these guys had a plan. We didn't get to that part. Sabir's gang had a plan that we never found out. And they've already been Until defeated. now. <laughs> they were like, apparently they were going to use the EMP blast to take the entire like nation's supply of military robots. But we stopped it. Good job, guys. Just We found out they were doing that now, and we did it. We stopped them. Yay. Uh, so it's they even say, like, yeah, the police arrested all of them. Uh, and there's this whole thing. So... Uh, there's a moment where Happy's like, hey, Pino, why don't you come with us? Because you're from the same time as us, right? And they're like, oh, I mean, I guess my memory is deleted, but if I could see my master then. And uh, they explain that. Rebecca's like, yeah, your master's wise right there. It's the same person, just from the future. So she's like, oh, okay, cool. Then maybe if we go back to our time, then your memories will come back. And there's even a little moment of Pino being like, master. And Weiss is like, not your master. Fuck off. Get away from me. <laughs> Uh, so they, they decide to go do that, but then the police show up cause they're like, and Rebecca's like, we, we don't need to worry about that. Not, we didn't do anything illegal. And they're like, well, you don't have IDs, so you're going to be in some trouble for that. And Rebecca's like, well, let's get out of here. And there's like a whole, there's like a whole chase thing going on here. Like, Weiss even gets like, he's like, well, see you later time, Travitas. And they're like, that's Weiss. He's in Sabir's gang. Get him. And I gave him that voice because his exclamation as he leaves is like, Smudged Blazes, why are they after me? <laughs> what the fuck is Smudged Blazes? 
I don't know who it is that's doing the uh, translation and, ad- and uh, adaptation of this series, but they really do love their British slang, don't don't they? <laughs> Having Rebecca say duckies all the time, smudge and blazes. Is smudge and blazes? The various other things that Weiss says, honestly, because he said a few other weird ex- exclamations as well. Is smudge and blazes even like a phrase? I've never... This could just be like built, built like a brick shit house where I'm like that sounds stupid. There's no way the Brits say that, but maybe this is. I'll have to, I'll have to wait for our audience to give us some sort of feedback on that. Anyway, our heroes get back to the ship. They're flying away, uh, but the police are still firing at them. And you know, even though their ship is technologically superior by what 500 years or 50 years rather, uh, it's still not gain away. There's some kind of like energy field keeping them from escaping and they're going to be stuck here and arrested if they don't do something but that's when weiss is wow you told me your ship was 50 years in the future but so i thought it'd be worth seeing but this is just a pile of junk i hope you didn't pay too much of this and he's eating peep pocky. he's eating pocky but it, I, i'm trying i'm trying to read its name but he's covered up most of it, it looks like like maybe like pipe peep or something i don't know uh, and everyone's like hey professor was he's like yeah I was going to steal your ship, but anyways, let me have it and I'll get it out into space. So I guess he's an expert pilot along with his knowledge of everything else. So to what I said before, I'm pretty sure Weiss is going to be like that third man of the group, sort of like the gray to this group's Natsu and Lucy kind of uh, dynamic. But that seems to be the case. We're also getting Pino along. What do you think of the chapter, Nick? It's a weird chapter uh, because it's basically the climax of this first short little arc um and they deal with the final boss in like the first six pages and then there's a whole lot to hell left to go through and they just move right on from that uh the part that gets me is that's weird is that this mysterious energy field when they ran to the clouds and stopped i thought it was going to be because like one of those columns of mineral was going to be pushing back on them but uh Apparently not. That would be really they... creative world building coming up into a narrative purpose. So which means that hero wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, maybe. Maybe I shouldn't go out of my way to say that because maybe next week it comes into play. But if it doesn't, just note that there was a perfectly good opportunity to do something like that and they didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to explain like how the hell they actually came back into the past eventually and uh i don't know i get i get a very strong sense that like it's not going to be a very satisfactory explanation so like the mother being that sits on that asteroid is like you need to go back in time to say to fix things but then you but then you had a memory trapped inside you with the dragon and you used to be around hundreds of years ago but then Anyway, <laughs> here's your crying robot. <laughs> uh, I'll just note that I think this is the point I'm going to tap out early on this series and stop caring because this arc really did feel exactly like a fairy tale arc. And it's just like, hey, we kind of quickly made a super bad, bad guy who's super mean and he's he's a jerk to everybody. He's just an asshole. But I cannot like even now I have very little ability to tell you anything defiant about spear i can tell you right now he had a gauntlet arm and that's it just because he used it in this chapter he was mean to robots he was a jerk just a jerk to robots 30 chapters from now if you're like 
tell me something about Sabir. I'd be like, who? And then you'd be like, the boss in the first arc. I'd be like, there was a first arc? <laughs> not the Hans and Franz guys, right? The foot dudes. <laughs> I don't even remember Eden Zero's first arc. I just remember whatever when they went to when they went to Fire Planet and fought with Flambel or whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> well, that'll be what's coming up. Well, and what can you tell me about him? He had fire powers. Okay, what was his personality like? He liked to burn things. And he was very mean to the ice people. He was very <laughs> Very he acted like they weren't people, but Shiki thought that they could be friends too, and it didn't matter. <laughs> that <laughs> That's the lesson on every fucking planet. <laughs> we just like write an Eden Zero upon. You just pull a lever. It's like <laughs> blank is mean to blank, but Shiki thinks that they could be friends. <laughs> He's like the knife people of knife. After the arc is over, the blank person blank becomes part of Shiki's group. <laughs> Oh, hold on, random noun generator. So let's see what and, the next and arc Rebecca, is going to be. And, and Rebecca is fetishized via blank. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in our next, according to the random noun generator, to you know, this guy, this is very scientific, guys. Our next arc is going to be the evil booklet planet. And they don't like the premeditation people. <laughs> Shiki believes the premeditation people can still be friends. Whether or not you play out your murders ahead of time, that doesn't put us for being friends. <laughs> I don't care how many people you plan to kill. <laughs> Those book people, book the people were super mean to you. They didn't, and they just... Shiki is jailed by association with the premeditation people. <laughs> All right. Okay. Huh. We don't have any Boruto or Jumpstarts to talk about this week, Chris, which means we're going to roll right into We Never Learn. Oh, hold on a second. I'm trying to write. All right. Uh, yeah, so We Never Learn... Uh, chapter question 77 at times a murky sensation waxes or wanes and settles in X very very flowy and off the tongue mm -hmm. so we start off and Ruka is practicing her English she's got this like little key ring full of like flashcards that she's going through when she's like you know retain Ichisaru principal Shonya and, you know she's going through these things over and over again and she's doing it with her classmates. And finally, the short-haired girl one's like, aren't you going to confess your feelings to Uega? <laughs> and the other one's like, what are you doing? It was really loud and blood. She's just like, well, fuck. I mean, we all want to know, right? <laughs> and uh, Uruka just says, uh, you know, I, I think I won't. And we, we get, like, a quick reminder about, like, what's sort of the situation here. You know, an offer to study abroad, and she needs to learn English. So we're going to see. So... There's this whole moment of her, like, kind of walking off, and her two friends are thinking, like, well, you know, if she recites her feeling, and he reciprocates, and then she gets into the study plan, then they're going to be separated really soon. So, it's kind of a, a tough feeling, and, you know, they're like, yeah, she's just choosing to kind of put the brakes on her own feelings for right now, and keeping her distance. Uh, although it's not really keeping their distance, because in the next panel... Uh, we see that the two of them meet, and they're like, hey, there's an open campus day at, you know, one of the, uh, one of the universities. So they're like, hey, why don't we go check it out? And I'm not sure, I guess, 
Ottawa University is the one she's kind of looking at. I can't recall. I can't remember specifically. She she points it out as like Ottawa University, and then there's like a thing that she looks at her key cards with, and yeah, I, I assume it is, but I'm not certain. Anyway, well, just see. <laughs> He sees the key cards and he wants to try to ask her. Like, he's like, let me quiz you. And I do like it because she just keeps, like, pulling them away from his snap. Like, him trying to reach for them. And I guess this is their way of saying, like, she's she's okay being around him. But she doesn't want to actively study English with him right now. Because that would be too close. I don't know. I guess it's sort of just noting that she's a, you know, a teenager complicated with feelings. And <laughs> is doing both things. I don't know. So they they decide to actually go, and she shows up in like a full tracksuit essentially, which is kind of funny because you get the impression she's trying to be as frumpy as possible in her own words. But you wake us thinking back to Fumino, who's just like, "It's the golden rule of sensitive sensitivity towards women. You be sure to compliment her outfit when you go out with her." And you wake us like, "You look great in everything you wear." And I just <laughs> I like talk about it. Just like gets that she's like you fucking dickhead <laughs> i do kind of like that aruka is trying to you know not dress all flashy and impressive and stuff like that but she apparently has no idea how to actually dress frumpy because she still looks freaking adorable like this yeah and it's like god you you need to like borrow like an overcoat from your mom if you want to put him off or something <laughs> like that uh, so yeah, they're, they're going through the whole thing. They're like, wow, all these places are so big. There's so much here. The school rooms are big. Wow, they have such great food in the cafeteria. It's so crazy. And there's a moment where he's like, oh, hey, it's her pears. You, you want a slice of pear? You love them, right? And she's like, yeah, I do. And she's actually like reaching out to grab it and then slaps the air and like pushes herself backwards. She's like, no, I don't like pears anymore. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, you love pears. Normally you'd be gobbling them all up. She's like, I don't even like pears anymore. He's like, and I do like you. It's like, what are you talking about? You fucking love pears. What is, what is this? And she's no, like, no, I don't want pears. So he's trying to like, he's like, eat the goddamn pear. And she's like, no, no. And uh, all the other actual like attending students are just like, what a lovely couple. They're so cute together. They're like, well, I'm sure it's hard now, but once you get your exams done, you guys can just bask in the love. <laughs> And they're just like, we're not a couple. And they're like, that's weird. Why are you sure you aren't? <laughs> Why are you trying to push pears in each other's face then? Because we hate each other. I wouldn't wish I wouldn't wish pears are my worst enemy. <laughs> uh, so like, you wake has a brief moment when they're walking around, and he thinks back to what she just said about like, yeah, after you finish doing all your studies, you could just bask your love together. And he has a brief momentary daydream where the two of them have gone to study at this university together. And they're kind of like sitting out in the middle of like a spring day. He's laying his head on her lap. And then he like wakes up and he's like, why was I thinking something like that? No, it's, it's, it's impossible. It's, uh, I can't do that. Besides, uh, Takamoto has something for somebody else. And that's that's the uh, that's the still running thing that Uega doesn't realize that she's his crush. Uh, he is her crush, rather. And uh, they ride back. There's this whole thing there where they're like, oh, OK, well. Guess we'll we'll head back. We're on the subway, and I feel kind of awkward because I had that one thought. And then she gets really close, so close that the sound effect is whoosh. Uh, and then we get some weird shots. Yeah. Uh, and Uega has moments where he's thinking about how tight her body is to him right now, and he's like, "I can feel her through her tracksuit," which I'm like, is 
clothing must be wrong in the We Never Learned universe. Like, that's what we're going to find out. Like, this is like a different Earth, essentially. And on this Earth, clothing has never been perfected. And it's constantly, like, failing to do everything it's intended for. We're going to find out pockets lead to nowhere. Chris, she's been out in this set of clothing for too long. It's shrinking on her. It's trying to escape and vacuum up her butt. Uh, and Yorick is like, well, we're getting too close. Let's chill out. And then he realizes, like, oh, it's it's rush hour. So that's why she got really close, because she just had to kind of, like, squeeze it to make room. And she's actually just, like, diligently studying this entire time and hasn't paid any attention to it. So Yorick is like, I'm a fucking slime. And that's the chapter it's it's sort of weird that uh it i guess that's the joke the chapter ends on i almost like assumed there was gonna be a longer one i guess there's also a minor thing where takamoto's like i got a cramp in my leg I, she's trying to maintain focus on her studying so she's trying uh, not to let this situation get to her but it is clearly very difficult for her oh uh, so she's like almost kind of pinching herself to keep her focus yeah, yeah okay um, I get the impression that we're probably going to continue on with this plotline in the next chapter because this is a direct continuation of the previous one. And also this seems like a very much not like a final note uh, for this uh, little little story that's being told. Um, I really like this chapter, though, because, you know, we get this this uh, initial resolve from Aruka that like, OK, I've set my heart on this dream of mine. And in order to do that, I should spare myself from. Uh, getting my heart broken basically so like her friends are saying yeah she's basically trying to put the brakes on her attachment to Uiga and stay apart from him when she this entire time has been hoping that he'll feel for her the same way she does about him and now that she has decided the opposite the universe is sending her all of these chances uh, right when she doesn't need them so very tragic and that one picture of after, you know, Yuigas had his imagination of them uh, sitting in the field together. That look on Aruka's face. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> All right. Let's move on from there to Dr. Stone. Z equals 72 experience points. Okay. And uh, the series really loves its uh, video game uh, equ- equivalents, doesn't it? Experience points. The you got uh, or kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So, so, so Chrome has busted out of his prison by melting the bonds between uh, the bars. Uh, and he immediately rushes out and takes out one of the guards as he runs out. Uh, and in the brief moment where he's running through the guards, he's like, I'm bad to show up in my cell. And it was like, wait, what? <laughs> I like that. They're like this genius move of his learned by Gen provided the one, like nobody believed that a bear had gotten in his cell, but for the single solitary half second, they thought it could be real. He escaped. <laughs> and he, uh, freaking pole vaults across, uh, one of the pit traps, uh, and he already knows where all of the traps are because he's been observing people's paths uh, in order to safely traverse them. And so he just dashes through them. Uh, and everyone, of course, is taken completely off, off their guard because they thought that he was just this primitive idiot. Uh, Yo shows up, the warden, 
uh, sees what the hell has happened. And he's like, well, how did he do this? With science? Uh, Chrome is getting away. And uh, he's got a great chance here because uh, all of the guards are being very careful to work their way around the traps because of the one guy who Yo got really pissed off at for screwing one of them up. Uh, And uh, so essentially he's managed to turn their own uh, weapon against them in this way, which is experience points that he got from his bitter encounter with Ukyo, who took advantage of the battery blast smokescreen. But there's a problem with the whole everyone's too afraid to get through the traps because Yo will beat them up thing, which is that uh, Yo is not afraid of himself beating himself up. So he just quickly dashes through them and immediately starts to gain on uh, on Chrome. He's apparently a really, really, really athletic guy. Uh, And uh, he basically says he's going to beat Chrome to death because uh, he doesn't want him to get free. And so Chrome quickly comes to uh, a dead end uh, over the same waterfall that uh, he uh, had been dropped down before, uh, is forced to turn and fight. Uh, and Yo immediately just like dodges his first attack and just, just smacks him across the cheek. Uh, and he's like, they don't make him dumber than you. I've got modern day police training, so an ape with a bamboo stick doesn't stand a chance. Because as we all know, if there's one thing you've got to be prepared for when you join the police force, it is quarterstaff fighting. <laughs> Seems like a very particular thing to that's treat. Actually, that's day two, actually, is what they do. All right, if your opponent comes at you with a stick, you use your stick, which is differently shaped. You use your tompa to take them out. Let's all play a couple rounds of Mortal Kombat X, all picking strikers, so you guys can see how this works. He has a... Well, tompa's one of his side fighting styles. There are, there are non-strikers in Mortal Kombat? <laughs> no, striker. They, they're all strikers. Striker the character. Oh, the right. cop, The cop no one likes. With the electric baton, then, yeah, nobody plays as him. <laughs> Didn't they, like, make him, like, a main character in that one cartoon or something? I think so, because he's part of the Earth Defense Force. So yeah. he's supposed to be, like, a major character for Earth's characters, and then they put in, like, the side character. I say side characters. The main characters of the actual game, but, like, the characters that don't fit into, like, that group. He's dead in the con. Well, he might be alive again. I haven't played the last one. He died in Mortal Kombat 10, though. The one that, like, rebooted everything. But then again, fucking everyone died in that, except for... Spoilers, Johnny Cage and Sonya, I think, are the only two who live. And I think Raiden. Everyone, Liu Kang gets fucking electrified to death by Raiden, who's just like, No, I I saw in my vision that we need to let Shao Kahn win the Mortal Kombat. Like, he just went ballistic, thinking fate was perfect. Liu Kang's like, fuck you and your stupid ass riddle. And then the Raiden just electrocutes him. It's so brutal. (laughs) In the next game, they're like, and introducing Shmoo Kang, Flub Zero. <laughs> Sub-Zero, I think, survives. I don't think he's around for the final fight. I don't remember. But basically, everyone else and their fucking mom gets murdered in that game, though. It's brutal. Right. Florpian. <laughs> Shmub Zero. Clax. Rep. A reptile. <laughs> Just added an extra syllable. Lamo. <laughs> All right. So 
Yo gives Chrome one final chance. Just like, just get back in your cell, or I'm going to go back, throw you back your corpse back into it. Uh, and Chrome says, well, "It doesn't make much difference to me because I've only got a few days left to live anyway." And all of a sudden, he buckles over and spews blood out of his mouth. And Yo is like, "There's no way the cut inside of his mouth caused that much blood. Is he is he vomiting it up?" And Chrome says. It spread through the village. I didn't say anything. Didn't want anyone worrying. But I'm a gunner. It's pneumonia. Of you guys, without science, it's a death sentence. And Yo's briefly like, ah! And then freaking Chrome spews the blood into his fucking face. <laughs> and then Chrome says, Now eat this. The one move I trained over and over. The fruits of my experience points. And he stabs you in the balls with his staff. I love that callback that that was the one move he trained for that tournament with over and over again. Chrome does with the back-to-back wrestling heel moves here. The green mist and the low blow. What a heel. Uh, and then he just kind of casually wa- uh, runs off. <laughs> And uh, shortly enough, uh, Kuhaku, who is spying on the enemy, uh, spots him coming down the path and uh, brings him back to the kingdom of science. And the, the happiest person to see him uh, is not any of his friends, not Senku, but Kaseki, who's just like, No, my precious steam gorilla doesn't have to be sacrificed! <laughs> I fucking love Koseki. <laughs> He's like hugging it. He's like, my precious steam gorilla. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Um, and uh, so Senku is like, hey, what's with, what's with the blood around your mouth? He's worried for his friend. And uh, Kroger's like, <laughs> and uh, Ruri, of course, is distraught. She's like, oh, no, is he sick, too? And Senku looks over at the puddle of blood that he spewed. And like, ah, ha, ha. Oh, you asshole. And he realizes that he basically combined uh, plants together um, and uh, he created this red liquid that he put inside of his mouth in order to use for this trick, uh, which basically is similar to plums pickled in shiso, which I will take the manga's word for because pickled plums aren't exactly popular over here um but yeah pickled plum juice that's that is what chrome spat out in order to freak out yo gross i like this chapter i mean it's it's nice you know chrome saved himself i like that his knowledge of different characters kind of helped him out here you know thinking about gen's psychology helped him get that moment he needed to kind of get his like early escape advantage uh, knowing Suweka kind of helped him figure out the path to take back home. Like, it's it's nice to get cool little details in that to add to the whole overall experience. And I, I'm also kind of glad that Chrome didn't have to sit there and be rescued, that, like, they figured something else out, and now we can kind of approach it from a different angle. This is the kind of thing that uh, I wish that series like uh, like Food Wars and Black Clover would do more, where, you know, they have this this basically sidekick character 
uh, get a chance to show that they're learning from the experiences of people who are more skilled and talented than them uh, in order to get a their own little victory over a minor character. And I wish that it would happen more with uh, some of the characters that I like that haven't gotten a spotlight. Definitely. All right. Uh, speaking of side characters, let's move over to the all the side characters fight in one battle uh, chapter of Seven Deadly Sins. Yep, chapter 280, Collapse. And we have our cover page with Helbrom and Oslo and the previous Fairy King, whose name is included in this chapter, but I don't remember it. Uh, basically, all We these... all died to help you. Yeah. So there's a whole little thing there, and we, we see this big explosion as Oslo took that shot, and his corpse falls from the sky and lands on the ground. Everyone's like, oh, Oslo! And, uh, you know... Like King's cradling Oslo's corpse, be like, "Why would you do this? This isn't what I wanted." Uh, but fucking male and, uh, and has... Oslo's like, "Throw ball, <laughs> catch, catch ball," <laughs> and fucking male has no chill and immediately starts attacking them again. Anyway, <laughs> and there's a moment when they're gonna be like, "Shit, we're gonna be like obliterated." Because remember, King and and uh, uh. Uh, Diane right now don't have magic. They they still have been sealed off by that magic spell. But in that moment, we we see that Diane got her magic back just enough to summon her hammer, and she notes that one of her tre- her sacred treasure's property is lightning rod that it can redirect magical attacks straight to the ground. And I do like this because Hawk comes up and is like, "Hey, why didn't you use this before?" And Elizabeth explains. She's like. Because if she did that, she'd run all the magic into the ground, and that would hurt the lives of everyone who live inside the ground itself. And Diane's like, yeah, and, you know, I figured it wouldn't matter on a man-made floating island like this. There's there's nothing really in here. But she's like, if I take another attack, then this thing's going to fall apart. And I like how they don't bury lead. She immediately takes another attack and breaks the fucking ground. So everybody is falling. There's this big thing. Elizabeth grabs onto Diana and we we see hawk going after king uh and he's turned into like a i, I guess a, a the wyvern same flying, the same flying manta thing that uh he carried uh them on when they were going to catch up with elizabeth yeah uh so hawk's going after him, but hawk it's can't my see time him. to shine and then, <laughs> he time. Save, and then he doesn't save king <laughs> not at all there's too much debris and, and smoke and everything like that it's too hard to see where king is so king's just plummeting and he's thinking to himself, wow, I can't believe the King of Fairies is going to die by falling from the sky. What a pathetic ending. And there's this big montage of all the things like, oh, I'm sorry, Captain, I couldn't protect Elizabeth. And, you know, let's see him Melodius being like, you're an upstanding king. He's like, no, no I'm not. It's, it's a really long, big pity party where like Oslo and, and Halbrim are like, hey, you know, you better do better. We all like you. He's like, oh, you protected me so many times. I never protected you once. And then the previous king's like, you know, you've only just sprouted your wings, but you're so you're just as skilled with the spirits uh, spear as I am. So I think very highly of you. You gave me too much credit. You shouldn't have thought of me at all. Uh, but then there's one big panel of uh, Diane saying, I always loved you and always will, King. Will you still love me? And that scene enough is to kind of kick King out of his pity party where he's like, yeah, you know, this isn't right. You did make a promise to her. And I promised that this time I'd protect her until the very end. So show her you're a man, Harlequin. Now is the moment to show your kingly 
dignity and presence. And we we see the uh, the little scar start getting covered up with something breaking. And uh, there's this big moment. Uh, Diane's kind of hanging there, and she's like, "Just we're not that far from the ground. Just drop me. I'll be fine. <laughs> go 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 save King Elizabeth." And uh, she's like, hey, I can't do that. And then they see Mail is right behind Elizabeth reaching out for this big attack when out of nowhere, a big, like, shooting star blast knocks Mail away. And you see uh, somebody saying to them, you two should be all right now. I'll take care of the rest. And Diane's like, King, is that you? You look different. And uh, the one you know, reminder of the previous King's like, yes, when your wings have fully grown to their full size... You might become the strongest fairy king the world has ever seen. And we see King, but in his true form with these enormous, you know, butterfly-like wings that, in addition to sprouting, uh, also, I believe, caused his hair to shoot forward into, like, a new wave 80s fringe for some reason. It is the stupidest hair. (laughs) I love that we get, you know, show them your kingly dignity and presence. <laughs> In the end, it doesn't even matter. I don't know. Like, it's such a weird haircut. So, so, so Chris, uh, now we see that uh, uh, King in this form, would you say that he has has graduated into a true fairy king? Now, how, how do you mark an occasion of such such a graduation? By playing Pompadour in Circumstance. Fuck. That was a long setup. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a stupid haircut. (laughs) Very well is. I appreciate the effort you went to get to that. Uh, I still like this chapter a lot, though. It's kind of cool to see King in this big new form. It's it's been something that's kind of been teased, I guess, for the longest time of, like, we haven't seen him at his full power, and now he is, so... Is, I guess, this form enough to defeat male altogether? I assume it is. He seems pretty confident. Dragon Ball Z has conditioned me to be like, he's going to get a shit pushed in. We need to wait for Melodius to show up somehow. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> uh, it very well could happen. But I, I do like this little arc. I do like yeah. a little montage of his character arc of thinking about all the different characters. And I guess it has always been one of King's bigger weaknesses is his lack of self-confidence in these situations. So it's nice to see that it wasn't like he needed Diane to like shout out for him. Instead, she did, he just thought back to her and the mere thought of her was enough to like kind of break him out of that funk. It's always nice in, uh, in Seven Deadly Sins because the characters do not shy away from their romantic feelings for each other. And it's different from a lot of their show and action series in that respect where like, yeah, they love each other and they're motivated by it and they use it and they and they gain strength from that instead of just being like, I kinda like her. Yeah. I'm not gonna say anything about it for another fifty chapters, but I kinda like her. Like we just have like a canon couple in the Shonen yeah. Battle series and it's pretty cool. Alright. Let's move on to the promise Neverland. <clears throat> it's chapter one hundred and one. Come. So uh, they're at Kuvitidala, double-decker Stonehenge, basically. Uh, and, um, yeah, mentioned, like, it's supposed to be a town of dragons, according to the ancient manuscript. Um, they discuss if there are going to be dragons. I'm like, well, maybe, because there are demons, so I guess there could be dragons. 
Hey, there is an arrow on this stone. Search for day and night with the eye of the dragon. What's going on here? Hmm. Nothing really happens for a while until uh, Emma happens to touch a stone that's got this inscription of an eye on it. And all of a sudden, it, she has this vision of herself standing on a pond of water. And there's a dragon fucking flying beneath the surface of the water. <laughs> Oh, okay. This very boring chapter suddenly became very interesting. <laughs> and that dragon has a weird fucking eye. It's got comets spinning around in it. <laughs> also, Emma has the eye of the dragon in her eye, apparently. It's the eye of the dragon. It's the thrill <laughs> of the fight. Rising up to not get eaten by the demons. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Emma sees this vision of uh, the first promise, seemingly, between the demons and humans. Uh, and as she's experiencing this while kind of just floating through this ethereal plane upside down, uh, she uh, is addressed by what seems to be a, a small demon, uh, basically like the size of a child. Uh, it's Got this very strange appearance, this big giant eye in the center of its head. Oh, and also it's got a pet dragon, seemingly. Uh, and the strange being just says that you're currently just watching right now. You need to come properly next time from the entrance. Here there is nothing, but you can find anything. There is no entrance anywhere, but it's also everywhere. Hold on, Nick. I think I know the voice we do for this character. There's nothing here, but you can find everything. <laughs> There's no entrance anywhere, but it is also everywhere. <laughs> Come back next time, and I will go down for the three count for you. <laughs> Did you just say that because there are floaty, thing, floaty glowy things surrounding you? Like, Look at my fireflies, Emma. It's you just, can join them. It's just an obnoxiously cryptic speak that, like... Why it always Once you hear it. 20 of my promos, you will realize I eventually don't actually have anything to say. We are because all they... sheep. <laughs> Part of the flock. But where's the wolf? <laughs> we are all the wolf. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Let me tell you something, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's just like, can Randy Orton come out and RKO this guy already? God damn it. <laughs> You're a snake. And there are many different things you can say about a snake because there's so much lore to draw upon. And I cannot actually tie it back into actual events, but it will sound cryptic and mysterious and biblical. And that will make it sound like I'm much more interesting than I actually am before I lose. <laughs> I, you, where on? You are the viper. <laughs> I am the mongoose. And just like how history just taught us, you will defeat me in the ring at <laughs> WrestleMania. Mongooses, which are famed for destroying and killing and hunting snakes. Which is why I, the mongoose, will lose to you. <laughs> we'll take the pinfall clean as the day is long. <laughs> Maybe in embarrassing fashion. I have a question for you, Randy Orton. Why did you draw my death coat for like four months just to RKO me? You could have just done that before. 
Did you say you weren't going to find me at WrestleMania? And then you did? Why? Regardless, I will be defeated by you. He needs to finish all of his, his promos. Man, you burned down my house! My house of horrors! We had a whole match there. We'll have a match there. No, no, he burned down the Wyatt family oh, compound. that's right. But then there was also the House of Horrors, which he apparently also had access to. I'm a real estate investor, Randy Orton. And you could have had a real estate license just like me. Bray Wyatt is one of the characters of WWE with the most lore and none of it matters. <laughs> he has like families, he has compounds, he has a Since sister. Abigail, who taught me the way and apparently she is also a ghost who possessed me. But then I got sick so I couldn't be her in my match with Finn Balor. <laughs> so I couldn't come out in shitty makeup and lose in front of Dick Bell at the pay-per-view. It would have been great. Would have worn a sheet over myself and said spooky things with a voice modulator. <laughs> okay, I guess we should probably just be anyway, on the podcast again. The de- the tiny demon thing. After saying all this to Emma, before Emma can ask it any question, just says, "Then we can play." And Emma falls back into reality, apparently, and she's been in a trance, uh, passed out on the ground this whole time. And right when she comes to is when Violet goes, "Stab her!" and slaps her across the face. Um, and Emma's just like, Did you see it? Did you see the dragon? And everyone's like, What are you talking about? Um, so Emma runs around. She ends up climbing up uh, onto a high vantage point. And she realizes that the double decker stone hedge actually forms the shape of an eye. Uh, and when Ray climbs up, he's like, Oh my god, it's the eye. I figured it out before you did, Emma. Shut up. <laughs> Everybody, shut up. I figured out the answer. <laughs> it's an eye. It all forms an eye. That's not what Emma was going to say, but I said it. Uh, Emma says that, uh, you know, like, I saw, you know, the dragon and scenes from the past, the old Kuvitidala, the place where day and night were together. And also, I think I met <laughs> too. Um, then she, you know, takes a look at the pendant that she has and is like, oh, this looks similar to the ruins. Uh, but what, you know, what does all this mean? All this lore, all this stuff, the Eye of the Dragon. Uh, maybe this is a place where you could use it to access that place where day and night are one, but now no one can see anything. But I could do it, maybe because I had this pendant. And maybe it was because maybe Mr. Miniver couldn't reach the seven walls because this place couldn't be used anymore. I don't know. And then Emma's like, Ray, can you hear me out? And Ray's like, what? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then apparently after telling Ray everything, they tell the rest of them everything. Whatever. And it explains everything that she just thought of to them, I guess. And everyone's like, where should we do? I was like, well, maybe we could figure everything out, including the riddle of the directions as well. Anyway, let's go home. And essentially, Emma just reestablishes what she has to do in her mind. You know, we have to hurry, uh, especially because with the amount of time that they've been spending traveling, uh, they're essentially going to have a year and a half uh, left in order to save everyone before their time runs out and everyone who was left behind starts graduating uh, and being taken away to be eaten by demons. Meanwhile, uh, as uh, she and the rest of them walk away, 
they're being observed by the tiny demon and the dragon. And the tiny demon is just going, come, come to me. Follow me into the darkness so that I may be your light. And if you want to submit me, I will tap out. <laughs> Apparently, that's the thing I will do. By the way, if you do try to step to me, I'll show creepy images of bugs to you. <laughs> and then you can pin me. And then you can pin me after you're finished. <laughs> I'll scare you. Maybe I should have tried to do that while you were distracted by the bugs. But now that would have just been rude, man. <laughs> the bugs will scar you for life. A pinfall is three seconds, but you will never forget when I turn the ring top into roaches. <laughs> oh, wait, you're the champion now? I suppose that has far more permanence than my bug move. Damn. Uh, it is worth noting that this has been announced. We're, we're heading into the final arc of the Promised Neverland now. That was quick. Yeah, we're we're pretty pretty quickly approaching. Uh, I don't know how long the end of this will be actually coming up because it seems like there's still a lot to get into. There's still a lot to kind of find out about. Um, but we are, I guess, probably closer to the end of the Promised Neverland at this point than we are to the beginning of it. So uh, it's worth keeping that in mind. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that done, we are going to move on now to Black Clover. If you yes, take over, when Chris. I can find the page number. Yes. Yeah. Page. Yes. Page one seventy one. The Sleeping Lion. So last time. We, we cut around to a bunch of different things. There was the whole... And the purple orcas did something. It was a very impactful chapter. So, the end of it, though, showed the vice captain of the, the Crimson Lions had been turned elfed. And uh, Fuego Leon was trying to defend against him. So, it starts up with that as Fuego Leon's like, hey! Or not Fuego, not Fuego Leon. Leon. Um, Leo. Leo, whatever, Fire Leo, whatever his stupid full name is. Uh, Leo is like, hey, you know, we're, we're the, the ultimate. That. We're trained. Yeah, you're a jerk. And, uh, God, what is this guy's name? Ra- was it... Uh, was it, like, Raphael or something? I can't remember. And the it fucking... began with an R. And the description just stops with, like, Asta got a sword that could defeat everybody. Like, that's the previously in Black Clover ending. Is like, Asta's going to save everyone. I'm like, that doesn't help me this time. <laughs> Whatever. Also, that was, like, two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Goatee guy is, like, Godier is what I'm going to call him for some reason. He's, like. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up while you're going okay. through it. He's, like, this place is flooded with my mana. You couldn't even use magic properly here. I'm also Bray Wyatt. I'm also Bray why my children <laughs> come with my explosive air palm magic and you can beat me afterwards i'll look good in this arc uh, randall. randall so randall is uh is, is pretty strong better but randall <laughs> all the different members of the the crimson lions are trying to fight back They're like yeah let's show them the prior of the crimson lions and they all throw their different stuff one of them 
throws like a rocket launcher. It looks like he like he grabs like a it almost looks like he throws a suitcase that has a jetpack at the end of it that fires out. Like you can see how yeah, someone's like throwing wind. It looks like somebody's throwing rocks and like a big fireball. But one dude just looks like he hurls a fucking suitcase or something and fire shoots out. What's that dude's magic? I want to know. Uh, but uh, Raphael dodges it completely by like air Randall. palming it back. Randall, whatever. It's sort of lame name. Ray. Robert. Uh, so Ricochet says, <laughs> uh, no, they're like, hey, it's his, his air magic. He can launch himself off thin air. He can move freely within space and attack with invisible masses of air. So he's, he's basically like creating explosive air bombs that he's using it to blast everybody and all their magic. And he basically takes out all of them. Uh, and we, we see Leo's kind of the only one left and he's fighting against it. Uh, he actually manages to cast a spell, which uh, Randall's like, very good. You managed to cast a spell. Bravo. Uh, and then he counters it. He just blasts it, just blocks it away. Uh, he keeps firing. But Leo's, I guess, a little bit stronger than everybody else. So he's able to dodge an attack. But that's when all the other members of the Crimson Lion get back up. And they're like, hey, you know what? That's a royal for you. He's really strong. So one day you'll command this brigade. So take everybody who can't fight. Get out of here. And you you survive. You know, we'll, we'll sacrifice ourselves here. And uh, Leah's like, no. I can still fight alongside you. I, I'll figure something out. We'll survive this together. Uh, and he, he goes. But nothing left in the tank. Just drops. He's like, my body just hit its limit. And uh, Randall just knocks everybody else away with air blasts. And he's like, so you command this group? Well, sorry, but I'm cutting you down here. Humans, and particularly royals, should all die violent deaths. And then all of a sudden, there's this big effect going on. We see it from, like, it starts from, like, the sky, then closes in on the building, then closes in on the bed. And suddenly the entire Crimson Lion base is engulfed with flame mana. And we see reinforcements. No! Only one. Fuego Leon has recovered. And he Holy comes out. Holy shit. He looks so cool. <laughs> he comes out. His arm is pure molten fire itself, it looks like. His uh, grimoire is floating alongside him. He says, you fought well, Leo, but you still have a ways to go. I'll take it from here. As the captain of the Crimson Lion Kings and your older brother, I will never lose again. And Randall particularly notes that he has Salamander, the great spirit of fire, on his side. What a fucking return, dude! <laughs> he looks so cool! Like, I, I can't really complain about this chapter. Uh, one of the characters that we've been missing for a while has come back, and he hasn't really done anything yet, except just show it to be like, I'm going to save all of you. But he's got an arm made of fire, and there's a dragon made of fire sitting on his arm made of fire. So, can't really complain about that. Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, we did see Salamander a while back. I think mm -hmm. Fiona or Fauna, whatever her name was, had it. So. Yeah. Perhaps it left her to go to Fuego. Maybe it only went to her because Fuego Leon was unconscious. Mm. And then came back once he came back. I don't know. It would make more sense. Like, the strongest fire mage in all the Clover Kingdom having the fire dragon would make a little bit more sense than, than Fauna herself. But, yeah. I mean, it's as you said, it's, it's a pretty cool sort of, like, end of the chapter kind of thing. I do love that 
quasi like one and three quarters page spread of him just walking out and his arms on fire and like the other ones like ripping up towards his like neck it's uh it's 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 pretty dope and uh I do like how this chapter kind of fit everything together. I wish there was a little bit more, like, necessity to Fuego Leon coming back or, like, more of an awakening. <laughs> like, it feels like he's back and I'm like, fuck yeah! But it's like, I wasn't really at that point where I was like, God, who's gonna save our heroes? The Clover Kingdom has suffered no losses and they have a sword that undoes everything. How will they ever win without Fuego Leon? Ah, he's back! <laughs> yeah, God! Fuego Leon! That being said, I do actually really like the uh, way that Randall, uh, possessed Randall, easily dispatches everyone. Uh, I also like that they make sure to uh, firmly establish why his power is different from Yuno's. Uh, he's got a different fighting style, and uh, there is a, a kind of more intricacy to it. He's almost like a martial uh, artist. Like all of his poses are very like Kempo style, yeah, or, or some kind of like you know martial arts pose with it. And uh, they show a little bit of potential in Leo, but yeah, he's just not nearly strong enough to deal with this guy. And yeah, here's Fuegoleon up to freaking kill him. Is it and, sad uh, so, that I'm like, Fuego Leon's back. Do we really need Leo anymore? <laughs> Get like him and Mario Leona just head off now. We got the cool one back. We got Fuego Leon. He's the only one I cared about. The other <laughs> ones could disappear, right? They only came in because Fuego Leon was injured. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so yeah, a good chapter of Black Clover. Um, there you go. There you go. Let's move on to One Piece. It's chapter 916. Jesus, the series is long. Wano Sumo is the title of the chapter. And uh, last time, uh, Urashima, the giant sumo, uh, who was weird, um, he kind of wanted to marry Okiku. And Okiku was very upset with him, so she cut off his top knot. Uh, in this chapter... Hiroshima is incredibly upset about this and goes to fucking splat her. And Okiku suddenly uh, flips back from the determined warrior woman to uh, basically being very embarrassed over what she's done. And she begs for mercy um, and basically just expresses mild disapproval of the fact that he's going to kill her. Uh, it's it's an odd thing going on with her, and I it, it's kind of hard to get a grip on what uh, her character is. It seems as though she's this naturally timid person who will go into action if she's really seriously pushed into a corner. Because, you know, we've seen her, like, uh, for example, hide behind Zoro in the previous chapter. But then when she got really annoyed with him, she cut off her Ashima's top knot. It's just a little bit weird to see her then go back to how she was before. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Uh, it it's thankfully different. And I will note that my my biggest like plus in the favor of Okiku is she's the only one right now of like these recent series of like female side characters who have prominent roles in this arc and probably nothing else that doesn't look like some kind of copy of Nami like. I don't look at her and I'm like, oh, it's Wano Nami or whatever. Like, it's actually someone with a different design. 
Uh, I just feel like she's gonna serve the same sort of role as Rebecca or Shirahoshi, where it's like, she'll be significant to the plot, but she won't actively do anything that significant to its ending. Mm. She may, because I guess Cryos had a decent-sized role in Dressrosa, and he had that because he was actually, like, the gladiator kind of thing, so maybe he will, but... Uh, maybe she will have that similar kind of thing, but it, it's hard to get super invested. There's so many fucking characters in One Piece at this point, and in this arc in particular, we already know that like four of the supernovas are here, so it's tough to be like, yeah, all the supernovas will will be huge characters in this, and all the Straw Hats are here too, and you know who knows, maybe fucking uh, uh, fucking like his his armada will show up too, and different characters from there will pop in. I don't know. There's also a bunch of other characters that are uh, important to this arc that we haven't even seen show up yet. Like uh, the current Shogun, like this thief that is apparently rebelling against him. Uh, So it's really hard to see where this is going to go at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luffy, uh, as Urashima is going to crush her, immediately dashes in and uh, uses his gum gum powers to deliver a countering sumo slap which uh, causes the two of them to kind of rebound off of each other. uh, And both of them nearly skid out of the ring. Uh, And yeah, they're going to have a sumo match because Urishima's like, she has, you know, she has cut off my top knot. I've lost my honor. Honor demands that I fucking kill her, basically. Uh, And Luffy just says like, hey, you can do whatever the hell you want if you can beat me. Let's sumo, but watch out. I'm good at sumo. And we get this little introductory uh, info panel, which is Sufi, su- sumo wannabe pi- pirate, Luffy no Umi, record undefeated versus Uso. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> you just imagine like occasionally on, on the freaking Thousand Sunny, uh, he's he's just like, hey, hey, Usa, let's sumo again. He just locks him in a headlock and throws him into the ground. I win again. <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> and Chopper's like, yay, Luffy! Uh, anyway. Urashima uh, launches a barrage of slaps at Luffy, and Luffy just kind of dances around them. Uh, and uh, so he resorts to cheating by trying to box his ears and gouge out Luffy's eyes, which I don't know how that would work because his fingers are literally larger than Luffy's head. Uh, it'd be like the mountain and the viper. What? From Game of Thrones. Oh, right, right. Oh, but but Urashima's trying to cheat by gouging his eyes. Oh, I just oh, think he, he just he put his fingers in there and just like, stole them that way, I guess. Right. Just crush his skull via eye pressing. Uh, we, Luffy starts to prepare a giant freaking uh, gum gum attack, uh, and we cut over to Hold'em's uh, palace, where he has made good on his threat to try and rip off Okiku's cheek, or Otama's cheek rather. Ow! It looks pretty painful. It looks really bad. He's clearly hurting jerk. her. He's a jerk person. Uh, 
he says, well, uh, Otama you know, basically begs for mercy. He's like, you know, I heard you say the name Kozuki before. The Kazukis are the ones who tried to destroy Wano 20 years ago. They're a clan of evil spirits. Ooh. Uh, we cut around a couple of times then. Um, Beppo apparently ate some poison fish. Oops. Uh, so... I like that it's like all this this dramatic stuff happening at once. So it's like Holdem's like torturing Otama. Luffy's preparing this giant attack. We see in the next panel Hawkins is riding in because he's like, none of you could deal with like Straw Hat Luffy. Just leave him be. I'll, I'm on my way. And like to add to the drama of this scene, Beppu's like, I had a bad <laughs> fish. <laughs> I had a bad fish. And Law's like, why now? <laughs> you fucking. There's so much happening. God damn it! I'm busy, Beppu. <laughs> Oh, God. I do like the uh, visual that we get uh, as Luffy stretches his hand back. Everyone's like, what the hell is that thing just going over their heads as he grows his arm out? Um, Urashima continues to object to Luffy protecting uh, Okiku. It's like, oh, she's done this unforgivable thing. I must crack her head open and make an example of her. And Luffy says, I said you can do whatever you want, but you're just not going to be able to beat me. And she was like, I'm the greatest sumo wrestler in all of, well, I'm going to be king of the pirates. And he just fucking creams Urashima with this giant palm strike. It is a super cool panel. Like, it's like the, the actual, like, impact of it looks so brutal with that giant hand. Uh, knocks some of his teeth out, flattens his face. And even Okiku's like, oh, God. <laughs> And he just blows him away and knocks him into uh, Holden's building. <laughs> um, so people were like, oh my god, how the hell did he lose to that guy? Hey, wait a minute, that's the guy who sliced up the magistrate, Zonodro! <laughs> and so it was just to be like, yeah, so what? <laughs> I can't believe that Zorodro, there's someone who is actually worse at keeping their cover than him. Because he had to, like, cover for Luffy in the previous chapter. And I'm like, really? Because it seems like he doesn't care about staying undercover. Um, and they're like, okay, yeah. Uh, we're, go get the boss of this town, because we're going to take uh, Osama back. Uh, guards rush in in order to attack them. Uh, and, of course, Luffy and Zoro immediately start fighting. Um, Okiku acts timid again, and Zoro's like, you don't need my freaking help. And Luffy says... Come on, fight, because we have to save the kid. And I, I, I do love it, because she goes with, like, the what should this one do? He's like, shut up, you don't need my help. And you see her, like, have this moment where, like, her lips have, like, sucked in, and she's like, oh, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm a master swordswoman. <laughs> she's like, I'm a murder machine if I want to be. Uh, and, yeah, she starts fucking cutting up dudes with her goddamn sword. Uh, obviously, no one can freaking stand up against them. Uh, and Luffy grabs one of them and and says, Hey, what's your boss's name? And he's like, All right, get out of here, Boldaboosh. <laughs> and uh, Holdem comes out, stands on a freaking roof. He's got Otama held in his stomach lion head. Um, What a visual. <laughs> I fucking I love that everyone seems to have the same excuse like like 
thought too, because then like we get a couple panels later where Luffy's like, his tummy's a lion. <laughs> like every <laughs> character is gonna be like, his tummy's a lion. <laughs> Everyone's acting really serious. Okiku says, "Oh my God, Otsama!" And, and Holm's like, "Urashima came flying and demolished my building. Who are you? Where'd you come from? If you're bold enough to fight back against us, I assume you must be followers of the thief Shuten Maru. It sounds like you want this kid back, but don't move. I can crush her in my jaws at any moment." Big bro, his tummy's a lion. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then we get uh, one final quick little montage of people's reactions to what's going on at this very moment. Law is rushing to try and make it to Bakra Town. Uh, Luffy is saying, I'm going to save you, Otama. And Holden's like, I'm not giving her back, you fool. And Hawkins is like... Well, it's worth knowing they say Captain Hawkins is at the gate. And that's what Law is approaching. So it looks Mm -hmm. like Law and Hawkins are going to face off. Entirely possible. Two of the biggest supernovas. And unfortunately, we're not going to get that for another couple of weeks. One Piece is going on another break. Uh, but uh, it's a pretty good uh, way to kind of leave us off in this tense situation. I, I think it's it's sometimes hard to tell with the manga at times, but I think this is a chapter that's meant to really be like, hey, the pace here is really fast and, and frantic and dramatic, which is why I love so much that they're like one of the scenes they get of all this crazy stuff happening is Bebel being like, I ate poison fish! <laughs> <laughs> and Law's like, are you fucking kidding me now? I told you not to do that specifically. <laughs> and like in the big scenes where everyone's like looking forward into like the upcoming conflicts, in the background, Law's like Hawkins. And you hear the back, please don't leave me to die, Captain. He's <laughs> just like, I fu- that stupid bear. Oh man. I like this chapter a lot. It's 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 fun. It, it it feels like we really are in like the early stages of a big arc with a lot of areas. Like it feels like Bakura Town's not gonna be that significant to the grand scheme of things. Like we're not in that opening area we saw when the start of this arc happened, like that giant tree town village with the huge bridge. Like we're nowhere near that. We're gonna get to that point later when the climax of this arc happens, but right now we're in like a side area almost kinda like think back to like the casino from from Alabasta. Like it's a small pit stop along the way and Oda's done a good job of kind of like minimizing the characters in here you know we don't have the rest of the straw it's just Luffy and Zoro right now who are kind of going to be the most significant ones here you know we got these new characters with Okiko and Otama and Hold'em and then building up the suspense of having these like kind of long existing characters potentially coming to conflict here with like Hawkins and Law it's it's a lot going on it's pretty tense it may not feel like it from a far point, I don't, but I, I feel like this is a hugely kind of like build up chapter to something. I don't think a huge conflict will happen, but it, the tension's there for one. Right. Well, that is going to do it then for Wikimaga Recap. Uh, so let's name our favorites this week. Favorite series and MVP, Chris. Mm, I will give it to. I'll give it to Seven Deadly Sins. I like One Piece a lot, and I like uh, actually Black Clover a good deal, and uh, and We Never Learned was great, but I think I'm going to give it to Seven Deadly Sins as being the one that got me the most excited for something to happen. It was a pretty significant sort of change for uh, King, so I'll give it to I'll give it to uh, Seven Deadly Sins. I'm going to agree with you. I really like the way the chapter played out, and it feels like this is a very big moment uh, for his character, and 
They've uh, tied a lot of stuff in with uh, this male plot. Uh, uh, obviously, his backstory, his connection to Escanor, uh, the stuff going on with Elizabeth, with uh, the other angels, with Derriere, with uh, and now with uh, and also with Galter for that matter, and finally with uh, with King. So, um, I really didn't see a lot of the uh, stuff coming that ended up happening with it because it just seemed like uh, he was just this guy who looked like a giant muscly Meliodas, and uh, all of a sudden we got all this stuff out of him that has tied into a bunch of other characters and had a big influence on them. So this has been a very good fight, and I really like this chapter. Absolutely. And uh, my favorite character of the week, I'm going to give it to Fuego Leon. Just be- he didn't do anything, but he just showed up he with a dragon up. on his arm. He showed up, and that was enough. I'm going to give it to Bray Wyatt so he can get one victory today. Now, I'll, get, I'll give it to Fuego Leon as well. Fuego no! I've been pinned again! <laughs> I got pinned in the the favorites of MPV section a weekly manga recap. Didn't he recently lose to fucking his Bo Dallas and Michael McGillicuddy? Curtis Axel, but yes. <laughs> Same person. He'll never yes. he'll never stop being Michael McGillicuddy to me. Yeah, they uh he and Matt Hardy lost their raw tag team championships to literally guys who the joke was that uh they were garbage, but they kept on lucking into wins. Uh and <laughs> poor Bray Wyatt. There you go. Good times. That is going to do it uh, for this week of Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we've broadcast the show on smashcast.tv slash RoloT and twitch.tv slash RoloT. Normally Thursdays at around 7.30-ish Eastern Standard Time. But in order to stay updated in case we need to change that stuff, and of course to find out when we're going to be recording all of our bonus stuff, you can follow us at WMR Podcast and at RoloT and at Nick F. Time. Be sure to check out our past episodes and weekly manga recap at podbean.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. Make sure to leave a comment and rating so that you can help out with the algorithms and help us stand at the top of the hobby section and defeat those bastard woodworkers. Be sure to send any feedback, ask us questions, uh, suggest manga for us to read. You can send that stuff via email to weeklymangarecap at yahoo.com. Also join our Discord server where you can keep up with all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's a an MHARP section. There is, uh, of course, just discussion of the current uh, suggestions, suggested series that we're reading through. And there is a entire uh, dedicated channel to just making suggestions for us to check out. And that's a really good way to make your pitches on stuff that we can read. There's also a wacky wrestling channel where you can go to discuss things like Bray Wyatt losing every single <laughs> fucking feud he's in. <laughs> and then the people who do lose to him and they seem like complete chumps. Anyway. Special thanks go out to our Patreon supporters. Your support allows us to create all sorts of fun bonus content for you guys to enjoy. We do Q&A episodes. We do uh, commentaries on Digimon episodes and anime movies. And uh, we're going to be getting back into that stuff starting this weekend. So thank you guys for your support and your patience. And, of course, special thanks go out to Steam Man, our tower card artist, and to Infamous Planet for the stuff that you do. Uh, we could not make this show be the same without that help. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And uh, that's going to do it. Oh, uh, this isn't like a joke to end on, but I keep forgetting. I want to mention this to you. And I figure I mentioned on air because it might be interesting to some other people. So I watched a documentary recently on Netflix it's called The Push. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, kind of. So not really. It's, it's like a psychological sort of experiment documentary. So there's that old, uh, the Menderlin or whatever, the old experiment where it's like two people on the other side is a person trying to get questions right. And every time he gets it wrong, the other person on the other side is supposed to shock them with increasing right. high voltage so it's similar they reference that in this it's similar to that so the way it's supposed to work 
is it's this guy at like a charity fundraiser and he's kind of like he's supposed to be there in network and like the director of the charity is kind of showing him around and the big benefactor shows up and there's this older guy and he like he, he tries to like smoke up on the roof and they're telling him to get down he's a little bit can- like cantankerous uh, and at one point he gets really upset about something and it looks like he has a heart attack and dies and they're like well shit we we have to hide this guy's body so the guy who's just there to network is suddenly like kind of in groping this thing of like why why we hide how like we can't hide the body let's call the police like no if we do this the charity's destroyed this guy is the only thing that keeps this charity going help me hide the body help me put it inside this box Uh, oh the auctioneer's here he thinks you're the benefactor just pretend to be the benefactor go up on stage and the whole thing is to see if they can get this guy to comply long enough to reach the end point where they're like you have to push this guy off a building you have to kill this guy like and it's crazy watching this video because like they'll go through different things like uh, it looks like we got to pretend like he fell down the stairs kick the body kick the body a couple times put a couple bruises in it we just need to make it look realistic (laughs) and it's crazy it is one of the most insane things when you see the certain areas he'll go to and be like i'm so far into this i guess i'll start kicking this dead body or whatever it it, it's super interesting highly recommend if you're looking for something kind of cool Oh, God, the torture they'll put some people through for the sake of social experiments. All right. Yep. Anyways, that's it. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.